Um, I hope you're all ready for Christmas. Only 10 sleeps to go, as Ali said. And I hope you've all got your stocking fillers ready, or will that be a last-minute dash on Christmas Eve to get those all-important items? Now, I know, of course, we're not quite at Christmas yet, but I'd like to start today by sharing with you a story about what possibly is the best gift I've received this year so far. And so a few weeks ago, I was in the shower speaking to the Holy Spirit, and I recognized that a quick five-minute prayer before I leave out for work in the morning or trying to practice silence and solitude like Jesus did in a house full of four children is very different to going away on a silent retreat. And it's very similar to what we read in Mark chapter 6 in the Bible. Mark was one of Jesus' disciples, and in his account of following Jesus, he tells the story of how he and the other disciples had just come back from a ministry tour, all excited as they were able to perform a number of miracles. And Jesus' response to them all was, let's go away by ourselves to a quiet place and rest. And that's exactly how I felt at the time. I felt like I needed to get away with Jesus, with his Holy Spirit, to a quiet place and rest. And so my internal prayer at the time went something like this, Lord, help me to be intentional about making this happen. I didn't want it to be one of those moments in the shower with the Holy Spirit that just didn't result in anything. So as I got out of the shower, my wife, Sarah, um, said to me, Dave, I've just sent you a text. And I thought to myself, this is a little bit odd. Surely she could have spoken to me in person about whatever she'd written in that text message. Nonetheless, I opened up the message on my phone, and this is what I saw. Dave Ellis, you are booked for the 18th and 19th of November, including a local B&B and the exclusive use of a shepherd's hut for quiet reflection. It was such a wonderful gift, and I had an amazing time with the Holy Spirit. Lawned Abbey, if you've never been, is in Leicestershire, and it's about an hour's drive from Nottingham. I had an hour booked with a spiritual director, and a shepherd's hut, if you've never seen one before, looks like this. Now, it's heated. For those of you that know me, being of West Indian heritage, it's an absolute priority for any event that is approximately three foot away from a radiator. It was just uh, a wonderful time of peace and rest in the Holy Spirit. And I believe, actually, that it's during these times that we get to experience the intimacy of God's presence with us. Over the past two weeks, as we approach Christmas, we've been focusing on the theme, God with us, in the person of Jesus. And both Ben and Suze have done fantastic talks on this very subject. Jesus is no longer with us physically, but he is with us through his Holy Spirit. And that's what I'd like to speak about today. The title of the talk today is God with us through his Holy Spirit. And an example of that, of course, is in that precious gift that I received from Sarah. But where is God when things don't go the way we want them to? Where is he when our prayers are not answered? And is he still with us when unfortunate things happen outside of our control? These are very big and real questions that require very big and real answers that hopefully we can find this evening through this book, the Bible, as we go throughout this talk. And so the main passage that I'd like to look at today to give context to this idea that God is with us through his Holy Spirit is found in John chapter 14, verses 16 to 18, reading from the New International Version. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What Jesus was saying here is that he recognized that the day was coming when he was going to be crucified and raised again from the dead. And he also knew that his disciples would be lost without him, which is why he said he would send his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, to be with them forever. And just a few pages on in the book of Acts, we see the account of what happened on the day God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell amongst us. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Over 2,000 years later, that same Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us here today. I became a Christian at the age of 19. A friend of mine that used to smoke a lot of weed came to see me one evening. And from the moment I opened the door, I instantly noticed that there was something different about him. His eyes were often red and he often looked half asleep because of the amount of cannabis he was smoking. But on this occasion, it was quite the opposite. I invited him into my home and he was telling me all about how Jesus had completely transformed his life. And I remember thinking to myself at the time that I'm really happy for him. But I went to church as a child and it was incredibly boring. It was nothing like a Trent Vineyard service, that's for sure. And so back then I thought to myself, there's no chance that I'm going to be going back to church as an adult. But I just couldn't deny the change that I saw in my friend. We'd spoken for hours and I said to him, okay, if what you're saying is true, you pray with me now as someone prayed for you. And I half expected him to say, is that the time? I'm really sorry, Dave, but I've got to go and catch my last bus. But he didn't. In fact, what he did was quite the opposite. He said, okay, let's stand. We stood together and he prayed a very simple prayer, which he asked me to repeat. And what happened next changed the course of my life. I wasn't doing anything energetic. I was simply stood still. And it felt like someone was constantly pouring a bucket of warm water over my head. Very similar to what we just read in the book of Acts where it said what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled upon each of them. Now I'm generally not that much of an emotional kind of guy. But because what I was experiencing at the time was so real, I just began to sob like a child. Now I don't experience this kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit every day. But that was the day. The Holy Spirit that Jesus was referring to entered my life and has remained in it ever since. God is with us. And he longs to be in intimate relationship with us all. And so at this stage, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I'd just like to welcome and acknowledge his presence that is with us right now. And so I'm just going to pray before we unpack this idea of God with us further. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that your presence is with us right now. And we know this because your word, the Bible says, that where two or three people are gathered in your name concerning anything concerning you, that you are there with us in the midst. And so, Father, we're gathered in your name this evening. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way as you did on the day of Pentecost. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's take a look again at this passage, and I'd like to frame it in three questions. Jesus said, the Father will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Therefore, my first question today is, is God with us to help us do our will or his? Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit as an advocate. But what kind of advocate was Jesus referring to? Is he here to help make our dreams come true? A little bit like the genie in Aladdin's lamp. I don't believe this is what Jesus had in mind. In a very similar way, when Jesus, that baby in a manger, was born, there was an enormous expectation upon him to be a certain kind of saviour that would fix his people's problems, overthrow the Roman government, and start a revolution. But Jesus hadn't come to execute their plans. He'd come to establish his. And we find the answer to this question in the way in which Jesus taught us how to pray when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The problem that many of us have is that we often confuse our will with God's will. And we sometimes think, surely what I want must be the same thing as what God wants too, without realizing that sometimes these are two very different things. And we see this in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, when God speaking to his people said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This can sometimes be difficult for us to come to terms with, because we often have our own ideas on what we think is best for our own lives. And I can certainly relate to this. As a young Christian, I used to think that I knew better than the creator of heaven, earth, and the universe. And I made a lot of poor choices along the way. It's about growing in maturity as children of God as he walks this journey of life with us. And it also reminds me of one of my own children. As I mentioned earlier, we have four of them. And one of them has a sweeter tooth than all the rest. And here's photographic evidence of that from when she was about two years old. Now, as a result of this, it's our will as parents not to give Eden chocolate cake every time she asks for it. And on the occasions that we haven't given her what she's asked for, this has been her response. <laughs> Please pray for us as we head towards Christmas. <laughs> to love someone well sometimes means that we need to become acquainted with the word no. Conversely, if we were to say yes to Eden every time she had a chocolate cake craving, she, I'm sure, would see our actions as being very loving, but the long-term effects of our actions would actually be very unkind. In a very similar way, God's will for our lives is always better than our own, especially when he says no. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit isn't so much about what we can receive from him, 
but it's more about who we are becoming through him. We've been working with our children for quite some time now. I imagine some of you have been working with yours to learn the word no, but to also learn the response, okay, mum, or okay, dad, and to trust that our no's are always for good reason. It's always because we love them, whether they understand our decision or not. God's will through his Holy Spirit is that we would develop in maturity in such a way that we would become okay with God's will being done in our lives, whether we understand it or not. And so how do we do this? How do we go on this journey of understanding and embracing that it's God's will for our lives and not our own? This brings me to my second question today. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so my second question is, is God with us as a friend or as a formula? When Jesus died and rose again, he didn't leave us as orphans to try and figure out how to live this life without him. But through sending his Holy Spirit, his will and his desire is that we would spend time with him and get to know him as a friend. A few weeks ago, Ben, in his talk on God with us, gave us a beautiful image of him spending time with his six-month-old son, Sam, as he read his favorite book, That's Not My Dinosaur, so that Sam would become acquainted with his father's presence and his voice. In a similar way, it's God's desire to spend time with us so that we can become acquainted with his presence and his voice through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is real. We cannot put him in a box or dictate to him what he can and cannot do. He just doesn't behave the way we want him to. But a friend of mine once said that, though they refer to him rather as a gentleman, because he never imposes himself upon us. He always waits to be invited. And he always seems to find some clever way through our lives to get invited. He is more of a friend to us than he is a formula. But sometimes we think to ourselves, if I could just decipher the formula, then I'll get the right life or my dream life that I'm hoping for from God. And the formula sometimes looks a little bit like this. Morality plus religious stuff subtract sin, which of course is all the bad stuff in my life, equals my dream life from God. And so for example, being nice to my mother-in-law over Christmas. Now, just to say, this isn't a reflection on my relationship with my mother-in-law, who's likely to be watching online. Love you, mum. <laughs> Looking forward to Christmas dinner this year and your mince pies. Just to put that out there, just to put that out there. <laughs> so, so let's try this again. Being nice to your mother-in-law <laughs> over Christmas, plus reading my Bible regularly, subtract not arguing that Die Hard is a Christmas movie on Christmas Day. I'm sure a few of us can relate to that. Equals the iPhone 11 Pro for Christmas. Or it could be speaking nicely to my enemies, plus um, attending a small group regularly. Subtract swearing equals a promotion. Or maybe it's not being critical or judgmental of others. 
plus serving on a team here at Trent, subtract sleeping around with different men or women, equals a husband or a wife. If you're like me, you might be thinking, this formula sounds a little bit familiar. Where have I heard it before? Well, have you ever noticed, especially around this time of year, we often say there's an old man in a red suit and a white beard. And if you listen to your parents, eat your greens and stop arguing with your siblings, then you'll end up on the nice list. It's a little bit like an algorithm to a software program to get the results that we want. But God doesn't behave in this way. Even though the equations in these formulas are good, whereby speaking nicely to our enemies, reading our Bibles regularly, and not having illicit sex will always bring about a positive outcome, it just won't bring about the dream life that we're hoping for from God. The more we spend time with his Holy Spirit is the more we get to know him as a friend. And that could be through going on spiritual retreats to places like Lawn Abbey. Or it could simply be through reading the Bible. If you're new to faith, I'd like to encourage you to start in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, where you'll get to find out a lot more about the birth and the person of Jesus, as well as the nature and character of his Holy Spirit. And if you don't like reading, there are a number of Bible apps that are available. version is a really good one where you can have the Bible read to you. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, if not the favorite, is found in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. And it says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength. Or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this. That they have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. And so my boast today, and I am boasting, is that I know him intimately. And I also know that it's his will, it's his desire for us to allow ourselves to be known intimately by him too. And this brings me to my third and final question today. Jesus, referring to the Holy Spirit, said, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And so the question is today, If we know him, do we trust him? Quite a few years ago now, actually, um, we as a family went to uh, a Christian festival in Shepton Mallet called New Wine. We had a wonderful time there because there were a number of people from this church that attended. And the Holy Spirit, of course, was present too. And I recall during that week, I felt the Holy Spirit was asking me a question. And I used the word felt because I didn't hear an audible voice in my ears. But there was a real feeling and a sense that the Holy Spirit was asking me the question, do you trust me? New Wine has a midweek break. And it was during that time as a family that we decided to head to the city of Wells, which is next door to Shepton Mallet. And I also recall Sarah, my wife and I, were stood outside the the cathedral having a conversation about what we felt God was saying to us during the week of New Wine. And I said to Sarah, 
knowing full well that the Holy Spirit was present and listening as he is today, I said to her, I believe I do. I believe I trust God with everything. However, if something was to happen to you or to the children, I'm not quite sure how I would respond. And the moment I finished that sentence, that feeling left. We then returned to New Wine. We enjoyed the rest of the week, which was wonderful. And then on the Friday, we started to head up to Norfolk to enjoy a family holiday with Sarah's parents. However, on the way to Norfolk, Sarah became quite unwell and was in a lot of pain. And without going into too much detail as to what that was, I then began to pray. Now, I've seen God through the Holy Spirit heal people. I've literally seen someone with one leg shorter than the other grow to equal length. And coming from New Wine, I was filled with faith to believe that God was going to heal Sarah. But he didn't. In fact, she got progressively worse. So much so that we had to go to hospital. Whilst in pain in the hospital, Sarah turned to me and she said, Dave, please pray. And she looked at me and she said, actually, Dave, it's okay. You don't need to pray. It's fine. If you want to pray internally, that's okay, but it, it, it's fine. Why? Well, at that stage, I became frustrated with God. I became angry with him. We're good people. We try and live the life that Jesus speaks about in this book, the Bible. And so I couldn't understand at that time why he wouldn't or he would allow that to happen to us. And it caused me to question, is God really with us? At that time as well, Sarah had her doubts too. She had to have an operation under general anesthetic. For me, it was about trusting God that the situation was going to work out okay. For Sarah, it was more about entrusting herself to God as she had the operation. The situation was completely out of our control, and we knew it. I'd completely forgotten about the question that the Holy Spirit had asked me earlier that week. And while sat in Kings Lynn Hospital, I felt the Holy Spirit ask me that question again. Dave, do you trust me? And from a place of powerlessness, my answer was yes. And even though I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, my answer was still yes. Sarah, of course, had the operation and it all worked out fine in the end. But that experience was pivotal to both of us and has played a significant role in our lives, in our spiritual formation. As it has taught us to look to him in everything, especially when it appears that everything is out of control. God is with us. And he comes to us disguised as our lives. The question is, do we trust him with our lives? And we see something similar in the life of Jesus. When he um, knew that it was God's will, that he should die for the whole of humanity, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, 
May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. When life hurts and causes pain, it can make us feel as though we're all alone. But Jesus has promised his Holy Spirit to be with us always. As the human race, we have a tendency to run away from those things that cause great discomfort. But God will often use our circumstances to grow our faith and our trust in him. The Christian historian Gerald Larson Sitzer said, The quickest way for anyone to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. It's hard to trust God when everything appears to be out of control. But it's during these times that we need to seek his will for our lives. It's during these times that we need a friend and not a formula. And it's also during these times that he will ask us the question, do we trust him? Christmas can be a very difficult time of year to trust God for a whole host of reasons. And there'll be some of us here today that won't be looking forward to Christmas. There may be relational tensions in your families whereby you feel that you can pray, but you can't do much more. You might not be looking forward to Christmas because you might be feeling lonely and alone. Or maybe you've lost someone recently. It could be that you don't know what the future holds in 2020. You don't know if there's going to be a job to go back to. Or you're not sure what your job is going to look like when you go back to work in 2020. But I feel that God is asking us all the question that he asked me when I was sat in that hospital. And that question is to each and every one of us here today. And the question that I feel that God is asking us is, do you trust me? God is with us. If we can, shall we stand?